Hello, uh, welcome to our first edition of Biology Bios or BioBios from the University of Memphis's Department of Biological Sciences. My name is Jim Edelman. I'm an assistant professor in the department. And the purpose of this podcast is to highlight the fact that almost every Thursday during the semesters, we have a guest researcher come and tell us about their research in some area of biology. Uh, and that's Thursdays, 4 p.m., Ellington Hall on campus. Everybody is welcome. Uh, I wanted to add to that as well uh, some questions for these folks to tell us not only why they're super excited about the projects they're working on, but how they got where they are and what advice they have for younger biologists kind of coming up in, in today's world. And um, with that, I should give a shout out to Rhett Miller, whose excellent podcast, Wheels Off, uh, is really the inspiration for this. Uh, he asks people who are authors, singers, songwriters, musicians, these questions, and I totally lifted them from him. Uh, so uh, Rhett Miller, lead singer of the Old 97s, uh, I look forward to your cease and desist letter. Uh, and with that disclaimer... Uh, I'd like to let us get started here with our first ever interview, which uh, is with Dr. Sheila Poo from the Memphis Zoo, talking about what she does and why she's super jazzed about it. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope to see you at her talk on February 1st. Here we go. Okay, well, so then if, if this is going to be Memphis Biology Bios, uh, or BioBios, uh, my guest today is Dr. Sheila Poo from the Memphis Zoo. Uh, so I figured the first thing I'd do is kind of let you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you're interested in and where you work and what you do. Sure. Um, I am the curator of research at the Memphis Zoo, and I also have an adjunct position over at Arkansas State University. I am a behavior ecologist by training and conservation biologist by practice, I would say. Um, I've been with the Memphis Zoo for uh, eight years, um, starting from um, my postdoc there and then morphing into the position that uh, I have currently. Um, my job involves, you know, a lot of different aspects uh, of, uh, um, of conservation or, or conservation science. So, um, it's hard to kind of distill it down to a uh, 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 um, uh, soundbite, I guess. Um, but I would say, you know, I do research projects that are related to, you know, basic science. I have conservation projects um, looking at, um, you know, ex situ conservation at the zoo and also in situ conservation through our reintroduction program. So we have some reintroduction sites that we're building for our different species. I work a lot on building bridges between institutions. That seems very amorphic. Um, but, you know, things like this, connecting with universities, collaborating with universities in the region or collaborating with other institutions that um, are uh, have some overlapping interests to the zoo. So, for instance, the Natural History Museums, um, you know, we all work on different types of animal collections. So there's some overlap there. Um, I collaborate a lot with different types of conservation nonprofits, both domestically and um, outside of the U.S. Um, I have projects that um, are about, you know, science communication, education, and, you know, raising visibility for, um, you know, groups that are, let's say, traditionally 
either underrepresented or overlooked in STEM and um, specifically in herpetology, which is a lot of um, a realm of the research that I do. Um, and um, I do, I guess, podcasts like this <laughs> every now and then. So, you know, we're in different hats. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so, so speaking with all those different hats, um, I guess my first question that I want to ask you is like, what's one project that you're working on right now that you're particularly excited about? And, and why are you like, why does it make you jazzed to be doing that work? Um, one project. Oh, yeah, it's hard to choose a favorite project. (laughs) Um, I, Maybe I'll say a couple, but I would say one recent project at the zoo that I'm really excited about is that the zoo um, uh, started a new partnership with a conservation nonprofit in Sri Lanka. So this is a project that I spearhead, um, and it's a collaboration between the Memphis Zoo and this organization called the Tropical um, Ecology, yeah, Tropical Ecosystem Research Network, which is an organization in Sri Lanka. Um, and this has really become one of the zoo's main, you know, conservation flagship projects within relatively quickly within the last year, starting from, you know, they, uh, this collaborator, um, and good friend of mine, uh, uh, uh from uh, Sri Lanka. So her name is Inoka. And, um, so Inoka, uh, has worked in Sri Lanka for many years. Uh, she's a professor in the university there. And she started this nonprofit organization, um, with two, you know, main goals. One is to protect the land and one is to protect the animals. So we started this collaboration with, you know, a workshop that really is more related to knowledge transfer. So at the Memphis Zoo, we deal with a lot of animals. We know we have a very good animal hospital and we know how to deal with animal injuries. And that's an area that's really needed um, in the work that Inoka does because they see a lot of human-animal conflict and they see a lot of injuries um, and they um, don't really have the resources or, or the capacity to really treat them. So we started with a workshop um, on that and that and and um, through that we build this, you know, MOU between the organizations and um, and that led to what is really exciting for me right now is that. The Memphis Zoo is funding uh, um, a conservation and research center uh, in Sri Lanka um, as a part of this partnership. So it's called the CARE Center, which stands for Conservation, Awareness, Research, and Education. There we go. Very uh, cool. Um, and uh, so it's currently being built. We just saw the groundbreaking. Uh, um, and uh, hopefully within a year, we will have a center in this um, con- uh, conservation land that TURN is running in Sri Lanka that can really help build the local capacity. So I think it, uh, um, that is very, really, you know, close and dear for me. I did uh, my PhD research in Southeast Asia uh, and I'm from Asia. Um, so it's a, a project that I'm really excited uh, about. Um, but um, I would say I would also want to talk about the projects going on here in Memphis. So another uh, project that I lead here is the Dusty Gopher Frog um, project. And that is, you know, has been the flagship uh, um, at the Memphis Zoo since, you know, long before I joined. So it's been a project here for about 20 years. And um, and that includes, you know, partnerships for, with universities, with government organizations, with, um, you know, state uh, agencies. And it's, you know, a project where you can really see the difference being made. Um, it started with uh, having a captive population. Let, and it led to, you know, reintroduction. And, um, now we're actually seeing a new wild population emerging through our reintroduction efforts. 
um, which is rare uh, um, and um, very exciting in that aspect. So uh, just to kind of follow up on that project, which is, is super cool. Um, so do you have a bunch of reintroduction sites or is this like focused at one area or do you, you know, kind of, do you put all your eggs in one basket or do you spread them around? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. Um, I guess the biologist in me would want to say that you want to spread things out because ultimately you want to create a, a, um, a meta population that's stable in the area, right? We're not at that point yet. Um, so we started reintroductions, uh, um, the first year that I moved uh, to Memphis actually in 2017. Um, so we've, we reintroduced from 2017 to now, so, you know, six, seven years now. And, um, it's mainly at two ponds in the Ward Bayou, um, wildlife management area down in Mississippi. It's about an hour north uh, of the coast. Um, so it's in the longleaf pine forest. It's in their historical range, but at a site that, um, they were no longer found. Um, so we have these two ponds that are relatively close so that frogs can, you know, go back and forth. Um, but right now it's kind of those two ponds. We currently are working on um, trying to get new reintroduction sites, um, but that is uh, uh, you know a long process uh, um, in terms of finding the right partners and getting approval, especially with a critically endangered species. So working on more sites, but right now mainly one. No, that's very exciting. I mean, just to be able to like get them back on the landscape at all, right? That's huge. Yeah, it is. And, you know, oftentimes there's, with reintroductions, um, it's very hard to follow up because, you know, we're a zoo. We don't, you know, necessarily have the resources to do a lot of in-situ um, monitoring. So I got a grant a couple years ago to do a round of monitoring, which is, you know, very helpful. It was a grant through the AZA uh, Association for Zoos and Aquariums. Um, but I think what we are able to do is we've... Um, so we've released for seven years. We In the last three years, we've been able to see eggs um, being laid at this site. So we know that there's recruitment and nice. we know that they're not there before. So that, you know, even if I can't follow every single frog, I don't really have a population estimate. We are seeing that, you know, it is starting to take hold. So that, that's been fun. And that's that's super critical. I mean, you think I, I think like a lot of um, foresters that I've known have talked about recruitment um, being just you know, you can see what looks like a healthy forest, right? Mm -hmm. But if there's no seedlings, there's no saplings, you know, you've got a problem. So you've got recruitment going on. So you've got yeah, this so, really promising sign. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good uh, um, kind of landmark. Of, uh, yeah. Progress. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So switching gears like a little bit to kind of, kind of more personal. So like your journey in, in science. Um, did you have a time uh, that you knew you wanted to be a scientist or how did you, how did you get down this path? <laughs> the joking side of me wants to say when somebody gave me a job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good reason. But, 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 but like, and it's only half joking, right? I think uh, um, I started that this path because I was um, offered opportunities. So I had a, uh, um, you know, a, a few undergrad labs that I was volunteering in, as a lot of us do. Um, and one lab that had an REU. So it was going to be a paid summer position. Um, and I think that was really important for me because otherwise I wouldn't have been able um, to have my own research project. 
So I think that probably is the first turning point. It was my first, you know, project that I did that I, you know, with amphibians and, you know, that I built on. I, I think you hit on something that I think is really important that, you know, we, we encourage people to get involved in research. We say volunteer in labs, talk to professors. Um, it can be huge to have those financial opportunities, right? That means like you can actually do this as your day job and you don't have to be volunteering in science and going and getting your money elsewhere, right? Like you can have a summer where you totally focus. Uh, so I think that's something that's super important. And I know, you know, like the granting agencies and NSF, like that's, that's a reason why we have these research experiences for undergraduates, right? So we can let people have these experiences and discover what they can do and, you know, really be able to focus. So that's, that's awesome that that was, that was a a sort of turning point for you. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So I have, I have a couple other like sort of personal science journeys. Um, so this one's a little bit, this one's a little bit weird. Well, maybe it's not that weird, but, um, I'm struggling with exactly how to ask it, but so like we have to write a lot. We have to present a lot. Like a lot of what we do, uh, comes under scrutiny from, from others, but like also ourselves. So like, I I don't know about you, but I certainly have an inner critic that's very judgy of my own writing and (laughs) that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if you have like any advice on like how you acknowledge or silence or deal with that inner critic that, you know, like you have this idea and this inner critics, like, that's not that good of an idea. (laughs) Uh, That's true. And uh, um, I don't know uh, um, if I were to give advice on how to do it, because, you know, I think everybody is different based off of uh, um, the experiences that they have and and some of the uh, advantages or disadvantages that they have. Um, so it's a, a little bit hard to generalize what has been helpful. I'll say something general and then I'll say something specific. So I think in general, uh, um, interacting with other people, uh, 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 has been helpful in, in, you know, not necessarily silencing the inner critic, but, but, um, quanti- or qualifying it a little bit. Uh, uh, um, so, so that, you know, the more you kind of talk to other people and find a group of people that, that, you know, that are maybe, um, in the same kind of career stage as you to talk to, uh, um, because I think looking up, it can seem intimidating, it, uh, um, of, you know, you're looking at other people's success and you're looking at people that, that have been, um, doing this for a lot longer, right? So it's easy to compare, um, that and try to feel inadequate. So, you know, looking at your peers, um, and having feedback like that, I think it's um, very helpful. And then my very specific I- example is I had a postdoc, uh, this was when I was in grad school, who said that all the comments that you give, um, uh, when you get others, should be in a sandwich. Meaning that if you're going to give a bad comment, it should be sandwiched in two comments that are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was specific about writing, right? When you're giving feedback on a manuscript, let's say. Um, if you, especially if you're, you know, giving feedback to you know, younger students, um, to always kind of point out what has been done well and point out um, when you're trying to point out things that can be improved. Um, so I think that is the, the self-critic, but I think it's, you know, we are you know constantly reviewing other people's stuff and helping make it better. That's something that I keep in mind when I'm trying to um, give uh, feedback to others. 
honestly, I kind of love the idea of taking that and like turning it towards your inner critic, you, could, mm. you know, kind of being like, okay, inner critic, I'm going to compliment sandwich you. So mm-hmm. like, this isn't, this is a pretty good idea. I see what you're saying about how there's this problem with it. And also I think that I can, uh, you know, move forward with it. <laughs> you know, like, mm. I, I, yeah. I, cause it's, it's like the inner critic is, is like, it'll say things that you would not say to mm. a student or to somebody whose manuscript you're reviewing, you know? So it's mm. like, yeah. Why don't you just like be more like I would when I'm talking to somebody else? I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let me broaden let me broaden this out generally. So we kind of talked about getting a, a start in science um, and what like broad brush strokes anything goes. What advice would you have to like a young younger version of yourself like a 20 22 year old version of yourself undergrad mm. air, uh, age uh working in biology ecology conservation today hmm. find your people mm. yeah I, I think it takes a while uh, um to find uh, a good group of people um, people that have shared experience can be hard to find. Um, and, uh, um, so I think, you know, find the people that, that are, uh, um, you know, that make you want to do projects, um, um, that in very specific ways that make you happy to jump on a Zoom call whenever, right? Uh, um, so find the people that, that are worth working with, uh, um, and, you know, with them oh that's fantastic advice i i think that we think so much about like science in you know in in terms of like being objective and it's all about the work and it's about the truth but we do it with other people right like that's such an important part of it and to really listen to that that voice that's like oh yeah these are people that i like working with this makes me psyched about coming to work or like you said, jumping on a Zoom yeah. call. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. The pandemic really, you know, made made that you know apparent is that there are people who you know projects and people who work on projects where at any given time, if they say, "Can you jump on a call to talk about this?" I'd be like, "Great, let's do it." You know, and there are ones that are, "Oh, you schedule this meeting and you have to be in this meeting." So there is a very stark contrast. Yeah, I I feel like maybe it was the pandemic too but i i feel like some of my friends in science like kind of started realizing like yeah i i think i'm gonna put more of my energy to those projects where i'm super psyched about the people yeah exactly well i don't want to take a ton of your time i want this to be kind of like a a quick intro to you that that people can hear before your talk um Mm -hmm. so those are really like my big questions that I wanted to get after. Um, is there anything else that, that, uh, we should chat about? Is there anything that like, is there a question you wish I asked you? Um, no, I, I, I think, you know, that I'm happy to talk. I look forward to seeing people at the seminar and, um, and I'm, you know, around the corner, I'm at the zoo. So if anybody's interested, you can feel free to reach out. Sounds awesome. I am super excited for your talk and uh, to see you in person in just a couple weeks. 
And uh, yeah, thanks again for being the uh, the the maiden voyage here of of yeah. this endeavor. So I, I really appreciate it. this. Has been a ton of fun. Yes, my pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, and we'll see you very soon. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Again, that was Dr. Sheila Poo from the Memphis Zoo. She is going to be speaking about her research on February 1st, 2024. That's a Thursday at 4 p.m. at Ellington Hall. We hope to see you there. Take care.